The following podcast is a glimpse into the life of First United Methodist Church in Beaumont, Texas. We pray it is a blessing as you seek to love your city with the heart of Christ. Will you pray with me? Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord. A rock and our redeemer, our strength and our refuge. Our water become wine. Amen. In the first congregation that I ever served, in, in, in their sanctuary, a little one-room built in the 1800s sanctuary with no running water, no central heat, and no air conditioning at the time. They had in that little church in the Wildwood a banner in the chancel. And on it, they had this verse. And in those two years of of pastoring there, this verse seeped into me in ways that I have yet to learn to describe. Here it is, 1 Peter 2. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own people, in order that you may proclaim the mighty acts of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you were God's people. Once you had not received mercy but now you have received mercy. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know about you, but when I hear those words, I want to shout. <laughs> and and, and then, then I hear the story uh, from John chapter 2, and I wonder what is happening, what is happening in this story about a wedding in Cana of Galilee? We don't even know whose wedding it is. Have you ever heard about a wedding and not known who the bride and the groom were? Seriously. We don't even know how Jesus and the disciples got invited to the wedding. Were they friends of the groom? Or were they friends of the bride? We We don't know. We don't even know what happened during the rest of the party. What, what we do know is there's this odd exchange between mother and son. In John's account of the gospel, Mary is never named. She is only ever the mother of Jesus. And I don't know what it would have been like for you, but I can't imagine answering my mom <laughs> like that. <laughs> one, one, translator, one translator put it, 
put, put that question of Jesus to Mary in, in, in the starkest words. What does that concern of you, concern of yours, have to do with me? <laughs> I mean, those words coming out of my mouth or, or my kid's mouth to their mama, um, <laughs> we, we would have had what, what's called the come to Jesus meeting, I believe. <laughs> and, 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 and then, after that, I mean, the mother of Jesus saw an obvious need. In, in, in that day, families would, 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 would save for years to put on a proper wedding feast. And the failure of a proper wedding feast was tantamount to complete social ostracization being put out from society. If you couldn't carry the feast to its fullness, you got left out of everything after that. The mother of Jesus saw a need and, 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 and tried to get her son to help out. And then, and then after Jesus distances himself from his mom, he wasn't being rude. He was distancing himself as if to say and saying, I do the Father's will as it is revealed. Mary looked at the servants and said, do whatever he tells you. And, 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 and relinquished the power back to its rightful place, allowing Jesus to do and work in the way that only Jesus is capable of working. And, and, and what happened? As John tells the story, water became wine, 180 gallons of it. In that day, Barclay says, no wedding party could consume that much wine. I'd like to tell Barclay he hadn't been to a wedding in 2019. <laughs> I haven't yet either, but. And as John tells the story, water has become wine, and before that, word became flesh, an hour that is not here is already now. What seems to be no more is and what will be is now. Jesus rescues this family. Jesus, more than changing water into wine, offers sovereign grace that sheds mercy and reveals God's glory. I mean, it's an act of compassion to keep a family from being kicked out of society. It is an act of sovereign grace to reveal God's glory. In changing water to wine, Jesus invites us to sing of and to share God's mercy with all people in all places, in all nations. To share 
God's mercy. Now, with a story like this, in a church like ours, we might be tempted to throw out the baby with the bathwater. Old, empty jars for religious purification. New and fine wine from unknown reserves when the old stuff had apparently run out. This would be a mistake of epic proportion. You see, the jars were made of stone, not clay. And in the, in the Jewish rites for purification, that was important because stone jars could not pick up the impurities of the world like clay could. And stone jars were hewn out and reserved for this rite. They remain intact. They remain useful. They are simply filled with a new content. Old forms, new content. Jars that stood empty, waiting to be filled. Stone containers with capacity beyond a partygoer's wildest imagination. These stone vessels filled with a new and wondrous gift are neither the rejection of nor the replacement of the old, but the creation of something new in the midst of what already is. Another, another way to say it is that as we come to faith in Christ and as we continue in faith in Christ, there must be newness of life in us and in our lives if this story is to be more than an idle tale. Another, another way to say that is that we ain't dead yet. We're still called to grow and to become. The other way to say it is there's no retirement plan for disciples of Jesus. We find new ways of praising God. We find new ways of serving God. We find new opportunities to follow Jesus. You see, in turning wine, water into wine, Jesus invites us to share God's welcome with all people in all places, in all nations. God's welcome in stone vessels that have the capacity to hold more than the average churchgoer's imagination. In the first part of the Gospel according to John, this is a quiet story in, in the backwater town of Cana in Galilee, and it's only included in the Gospel according to John. An another aspect that's unique to John is that there's no story of the transfiguration. In this season after Epiphany, before the beginning of Lent, on the last Sunday, that's the Sunday of the transfiguration of the Lord. We can't read that story in the Gospel according to John because it's not there. 
What is unique about how John tells the story is that the transfigured revelation of divine in Christ happens in the everyday ordinary of life. Water becomes wine. Word has become flesh. The hour that is not yet is already now. Bread and wine become body and blood. I think, I think it's more than interesting that the wine steward is surprised. I mean, if anybody in the story knew, besides the mother of Jesus, that the wine was running out, it was the steward. And there wasn't anything he could do about it. But when the servant brings him the new wine, he looks at the bridegroom and says, What'd you do? Can you imagine the look on the bridegroom's face? I, I don't know what. <laughs> what did I do? Most people serve the good wine until folks lose their taste for good wine. The servants knew, but John does not indicate that their knowledge led them to faith. And in this limited place, with this limited audience, Jesus performs his first miracle. That's it? Only the disciples knew and believed? That's it? There were no waving of the hands, no drawing of attention to the self? Jesus simply takes water from the old orthodoxy and unassumingly transforms it into water, wine of a new reality. Here's the truth for us. On this side of the resurrection and this side of this story, the wine has never run out. I, I, I don't know if, if, if that'll change the way you tell your story about your life or how we'll tell our story about our ministry. But no matter how things seem in a current moment, at any given time, in any given place, the truth is the wine has never run out, and the wine cannot ever run out. You see, it's true what Peter says of us. It's true what Peter says of you. It's true what Peter says of me. It's true what Peter says of us. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own people. It doesn't matter which tiny town you come from. It doesn't matter if any degree you ever have is thank you, Lottie, instead of magna cum Lottie. It doesn't matter if, if you've never made it all the way to the top in your field or you're struggling at the bottom of life. 
You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own people, so that there's purpose in everything God does. In claiming us as his own children, there's purpose. Because there are people who don't know yet that they are, in fact, a child of God. You are God's people so that you might proclaim the mighty acts of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You see, when changing water into wine, Jesus invites us to share God's light with all people in all places, in all nations. And, and, and if, if I'm going to be honest with myself and with you, it's, it's more than an invitation. Jesus compels us to shed a little light in a darkened world. Jesus compels us to share a little mercy in an unforgiving world. Jesus compels us to share a lot of love with all God's people. Because we are, in fact, a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own people, that we may proclaim the mighty acts of him who called us out of darkness into, into the marvelous light of this new day. Let's pray. I don't know what the new day means, God. I don't know what the new year holds for us exactly. None of us do. We have hopes, we have plans, we have dreams, but only you truly know what will transpire. And so we give ourselves to you on this day. Help us to give ourselves to you every day. That your love and your light your mercy and your welcoming presence would be shared in all places with all people. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you would like more information, please visit our website at www.lovebeaumont.com.